Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning again, Vanguard. Today, we are going to see God's, you ready? Eschatological intentions for our lives. Now, have you ever gone to the doctor and the doctor's talking and you're like, I don't know what he's saying. I don't know. Doc, could you do me a favor? Could you put the cookies on the bottom shelf? So here's the cookies on the bottom shelf. We're going to see today what God says has to occur before the end can happen. We're going to see it unpacked today in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32, as we continue in this small book, this significant small book, as we talk today about what these occurrences are that have to happen. Now, here's what I want you to understand. There's one of two things that can occur in your life, and you get to decide. God gives you free will. You get to choose. God wants to pour out his spirit on your life and he wants to do a ton of good things in your life. Or you can reject that and experience the judgment and the eternal judgment of God one day at the end of your life. The choice is yours. You get to decide one or the other. You go, I want other options. Those are the only options. These are the two options for every human being, whether you believe in Jesus, whether you don't, that he wants to pour out his spirit on you or he will bring final and eternal judgment to each of our lives. I want to invite you today to take your program, your Bible, or your internet device, and we're going to look at these verses today. I want to invite you to share our service today. Want, excuse me, want to welcome those that are online. Want to thank you for being a part of our service today. And I also just want to give a shout out to the men uh, that are here from the East Coast, all up and down the East Coast. You may not know this, but many years ago, this crazy, uh, fiery-eyed, man named Pastor Frank Short used to attend this church. And he went and he planted a church. He's now at another church now, but he went and planted a church. We've planted 75 churches in our 25 years of existence. And Pastor Frank uh, is one of those church planters. And for the past few years, he brings a group of men here. And some of them are here today. I'm going to get to share with them tomorrow. We're going to be connected with one another. Pastor Frank's wife actually is dealing with COVID this morning. And so we want to be praying for them. I know that there's a lot of people in our church right now and in our community that's actually continuing to deal with this. This continues to be a reality in our lives. And we want to pray for God's healing. Amen. We want to pray for God's healing over each and every person dealing with any challenges today. Look at Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Now, it shall come to pass. Somebody say it. What? When? Afterward. Okay. So, whenever you see the word therefore, you always ask, why is it therefore? Whenever you see the word afterward, always ask, what is he referring to? How, what is coming after 
what he's talking about. And what he's talking about is the judgment that we discussed last week, the locusts. And God is saying that throughout our lives, there are judgments that God makes on our lives to get us to turn back to avoid the ultimate and eternal judgment in our lives. And so he says, after a series of judgments on the nation of Israel, here's what's going to happen. I will pour out my spirit on, somebody say it, on what? Come on, say it louder. On what? And my professor taught me, Deb, all means all, and that's all all means. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now let's stop there. You and I in the church age, which is now, we can say to ourselves, okay, big deal. What big deal? No, no, you don't understand. This is a big deal. Up until the time of Joel, which was about 750 years prior to Jesus. So we're talking about roughly 3,300 years of existence. For 3,300 years of existence, God only indwelled certain people. And when you read the Bible in the Old Testament, you learn that those people are like Abraham and Moses and Isaac and Jacob and, and all of these patriarchs of the faith. There's people like King David and, and there's people uh, throughout Scripture like Joseph and, and Ruth and so forth and so on and Deborah and people like this. But what God is saying to Israel, no more. God is not going to just indwell offices that people hold that make them the important people. But God is actually going to move over every person who asks for it. And he is going to pour out and fill every person with his Holy Spirit. And it's going to be with you every second of every way, of every day, of every moment, so that you can do exactly what God has created you to do. So, have you ever in your life asked God to fill you with his Holy Spirit? Have you ever done that? Have you ever said, God, I believe you tell me in this day and age, and we're going to see it in Acts chapter 2 here in just a second, you tell me that, that you want to pour your spirit out on my life, that you want to enable me to do what you've called me to do. Now, I want you to think about this. 750 years before uh, Joel wrote this, before the birth of Jesus Christ, God told him to write this down. Okay. And, and excuse me, 750 years before Jesus, Joel wrote this down. And then he watched, and he watched, and he watched, and he watched, and then he died. Well, that was a wasted life. I wrote all this down. I did everything God told me to do. I told him what was coming. I told him how amazing the Spirit. It's going to be poured out on him. It's going to be an absolutely amazing thing. Never happened. Well, my life was a waste. Uh-uh. One of the misnomers. Your life does not end when you die. 
Your life does not end when you die. You have a soul that lives inside of you that will live somewhere forever. 750 years later, Jesus is born. Joel's up in heaven hundreds of years later. I wonder if he's thinking to himself, maybe this is the moment. And then Jesus lives 33 years, so we're at 783 years. And then Jesus is crucified. Joel's up in heaven going, oh, no. I don't think this is ever going to happen. And then Jesus is resurrected. And then 50 days later, a day we call Pentecost, which is seven Sundays after the resurrection of Jesus, they were all in the city to celebrate the festival. And when they were in the city, guess what happened? Look what happens. Acts chapter 2. I want you to see this because... 783 years and 50 days later, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. They were, somebody say it, they were what? Come on, they were what? Come on, one more time. They were what? Can you imagine? Can you imagine Joel sitting down in his seat up in heaven going? It just happened. It just happened. It just happened. It just occurred. And then he stands up and he walks over to the window of his mansion in heaven and he looks out and he goes, I sure am glad I listened. I sure am glad I obeyed. I sure am glad I wrote that down. I sure am glad I didn't give up. I sure am glad to see this moment. 783 years later, maybe... You will measure your life just by the hash marks. I hope not. Because they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Did you catch that? Every nation under heaven experienced what Joel prophesied 783 years later. All of us kind of read the Bible sometimes and we go, oh, those are really important people. I got news for you. They were just like you and me. They had problems. They had problems in their marriage. They had problems with their kids. They had problems with their finances. They had problems with their health. You go, how do you know? How do you know they had problems with their health? You see any of them around here now? Huh? Every one of us, we have clay feet. At the sound of the multitude came together, they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? And you can see that series of places that they came from. Look at verse 11. We hear them 
telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, by the way, there's always naysayers. But others, mocking, said, ah, they're filled with new wine. Let me say it another way. They're drunk as a skunk. They look like idiots. You need to understand that Joel looked like an idiot 783 years and 50 days prior. And when it's fulfilled, strangely enough, they all look like idiots. Because when humanity can't explain what God chooses to sovereignly do, they just mock it. That's what the world does. The world mocks what it doesn't understand. So Paul's gonna, Peter's going to explain it to him. Look at Acts 2.14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose. Since it's only the third hour of the day, by the way. Maybe it was later in the day. Maybe they were. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to read that. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be God declares that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Wow. 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 And then it happens. And God the Father says to God the Son, hey, head on down to Joel's house. Knock on his door. Give him a heads up. We're going to throw a party for him tonight. And we are going to celebrate his obedience to do what the Father asked him to do. And there in heaven, and I'm going to steal from the movie Gladiator, what we do in this life echoes into eternity. What you choose to do right now, do you understand this? If, if, if God does not return, if Jesus does not return, who's going to be sitting in this room in 100 years? Let me first tell you, none of you or me. But who will be? Who will be? And what decisions will you make today that will be affecting people's lives 100 years from now? You go, I don't know. If you could tell me what they are, I'll make them. It doesn't work that way. Obedience ensures. Obedience ensures that your life will echo forever. Obedience to Jesus ensures that your life will echo forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You go, well, I don't feel like my life counts. You're not keeping score. God is. God is. And at God's appointed time, he will declare you the winner. This life is the test. Heaven is the fulfillment. This is the dress rehearsal. And you have to make a choice. Don't let the naysayers determine your purpose. So number one, the Holy Spirit to be poured out on all flesh. So I want to encourage you. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. There were some people in the first service uh, that I know because I've talked to them. 
And there are people that are here every week that have never given their life to Jesus Christ. They're trying to figure it out. Praise God. We're glad you're here. You may be watching. You may be watching later this week. Praise God. We're glad you're watching. And maybe for the first time in your life, you want to say to God, God, I want you to pour your spirit out on me. I want you to fill me. I want you to indwell me. I want you to fill me with your presence to do whatever you tell me to do. So I want to challenge you to pray that today. When we get to communion time, I want to challenge you to say, fill me, God, with your Holy Spirit. Fill me. As as Joel talks about here, the Spirit's not just for the important people. We're going to see that. Look at Joel 2.28. Your sons and your daughters shall what? Somebody say it. Come on, say it louder. Shall what? Prophesy. Anybody in the house not a son or a daughter? Anybody online not a son or a daughter? Just, just put it in the thread here. I'd like, to, I'd like to meet you. No, we're all sons and daughters of somebody. And do you know what Joel is saying here? Do you know what God is saying, more importantly, through Joel? The Spirit is for everybody. Not just men, not just women, not just sons, not just daughters. The Spirit is for anyone who wants it. And he wants to give it to you. He wants to give you the power and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life, in your relationships, in your marriage, in your family, in your work life, in your vocation, in your employment, in your bondage. God wants to free you. And you are not going to get free apart from the Spirit. You're not going to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You're not going to make others proud of you. You're going to yield yourself to Jesus and say, fill me with your spirit. Fill me. And some of us need to do that today in areas of our lives that we're trying to gain victory. You're not going to get the victory on your own. Now, what does it mean to prophesy? It means that you proclaim the truth of who God is. And so what you want to say to God today is, I want you to fill me with your spirit so others can see you in me so that I can proclaim who you are to them. And so some of us need to be filled with the spirit. Some of us, you ready? You need to let it out. Let the spirit out. Stop hoarding the miraculous presence of God and tell somebody you are a follower of Jesus. Tell somebody, tell anybody. So I have this uh, iPhone 7 because I'm cutting edge, all right? No, I'm a cheapskate. All right, so we have this business plan with Vanguard, and so I have a phone through Vanguard. I pay for it, but I have it through our church, and our staff can do that if they want. And so uh, my iPhone 7 was with Sprint, and they switched over to T-somebody mobile. And, and while I was up in the mountains this week, by the way, I saw a bull moose. It did not hit my truck, thank God. 
because I wasn't driving. All right, didn't hit anybody's truck. It just walked up by our house where we were staying. Beautiful animal. So, but my phone quit working. And so I tried to make a phone call and they put me over here to Verizon and said, we're going to get you in touch with an operator and you can make a collect call and you can pay for it. I was like, well, praise God. I don't want that. So on Saturday, Tasha and I go in and, you know, I'm not cutting edge, but this is an iPhone 14 and I'm cool now. All right. No, I'm cool. Okay. And, and like I'm bragging to my kids and putting it all, you know, maybe one day you can be like your father or whatever. But while, while we're trying to switch over all the volume of information on my phone, this guy looks at me and he says, so you the senior pastor of Vanguard? I go, uh, yes. And, and I was been there, I'd been standing there looking at him like I, I've seen this guy before. And I said, so you ever been to Vanguard? I believe I have. And I said, well, tell me about that. Turns out, by the way, he's a cowboy fan. I know nobody loves that. I am too, all right? We've got a lot of pain we're dealing with still. There's always next year, even after the first game of the week, of the year, right? Oh, Lord. So, so this guy's named Scott. I said, so Scott, you've been to Vanguard? He's like, yes, when I was a kid, we first moved here. He lived in the Dallas area. He said, my mama brought me to Vanguard, and then we went over to this other church. I met my wife. We got married. We have kids. Turns out he knows a lot of the people that I do that used to, uh, you know, be around many, many years ago. And it was just an incredible moment of how God orders our steps, Okay. And he brings us into people's lives. God has divine appointments for you. You don't have to go find them. They'll find you. And I want to encourage you, when you find yourself in that moment, I want to challenge you, let Jesus out. Let him out. Tell somebody that you're his. Now look at what Peter says. This Jesus God raised up, all that we are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he's poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So he's saying, look, what you're seeing going on right now, it ain't alcohol, it's the Holy Spirit. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Tough moment. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many words, many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about how many, somebody say it, 3,000 souls. Now, I want you to understand that a pastor gets excited and exhausted all at the same time at this verse. I know I have rather large biceps. I get that. I understand that. You got bicep envy as we speak, all right? But the most people I've ever baptized in my life, the, the most baptisms we've ever done in any uh, baptism of Vanguard was many years ago. Some of you may have been part of it. It was in Theater 4. When we still had the slope floors and the red, the red curtains, we baptized 54 people. 
They all gave their testimony like they do in the services now. And we were here till 6.30, I kid you not, p.m., like all day. And when I went home, Dwayne, I don't know if I've ever been that tired before. After preaching and baptizing, and I didn't even baptize everybody, I just baptized a few. I want you to understand, it takes an act of God to baptize 3,000 people in one day. And I want you to understand that the reason why there were so many people to be baptized is because there were so many people who shared their faith. In 25 years, we've seen 3,323 people make public profession, follow him in believer's baptism. And do you know that we haven't had one person yet in 25 plus years that's come to Christ like Paul did on the road to Damascus. Every person that has shared their faith on stage or in some other part of the church, somebody shared the gospel with them. Here's the point. There are no important people in the kingdom. We're all important. We're all being used by God to prophesy. So not only do you need to ask God to fill you with his spirit, but you need to ask him to give you the courage to prophesy. Say this, Lord, I want to prophesy. I want to proclaim who Jesus is to somebody else. And the only prayer in my life that God has always answered is this prayer. God, bring somebody into my life that doesn't know you so that I can share with them who you are to me. And see, what sharing your faith is about is sharing who Jesus is to you. And you just say something like this. Hey, do you mind if I tell you who Jesus is to me? That's it. No, I don't want you to. Oh, okay. Well, let me know when you do. Because I love to tell people about my best friend. I don't know about you, but like, like I, I wear this ring on my finger right here, Tasha, for a reason. Just somebody asked me, and I'll tell you all about her. She's amazing. The same is true for your faith. Share who Jesus is to you. Proclaim him to others. And say it like this. Hey, you might not be interested in him, but let me just tell you something. He's changed my life forever, and I'd love to just tell you about him. I'd love to tell you how he's changed my life. I'd love to tell you what he's doing in my life. I don't want to tell you how great I am. I'll tell you how terrible I am. I'll tell you how awful I am. But if you want to know how amazing Jesus is, I want to tell you about him. I want to tell you about his mercy. I want to tell you about his tender mercies. I want to tell you about his compassion. I want to tell you about his forgiveness. I want to tell you about his hope and his light and his joy and his peace and his gentleness that he gives me every day. Every day. Do you want to know about that? No, I'm not interested. Oh, okay. Well, let me know when you are. Number two, we're to prophesy to others so they can be added to Jesus' church. We're to prophesy so others can be added to Jesus' church. Look at Joel 2.28c. Your old men's going to dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Now, what is the difference between a dream and a vision? A dream is something that you have while you're asleep, Someone said, well, what about that time between when you're first waking up uh, and uh, waking up? You know, and that takes, if you're a teenager, it takes about two and a half hours, okay? Uh, but as you get older, you get quicker at that part of the, of the sleep night. Dreams are things that occur when you're asleep or when you're waking up. Visions are actually while you're awake, 
I might be, you know, looking at you like I'm looking at you right now, and I begin to see in my mind's eye something that, like, what is that? That's what a vision is. And so God wants us to have dreams and to have vision. If the Spirit lives inside of you, you are to prophesy. But not only are you to prophesy, you're also to have dreams and to have visions. And so for me, the first time that I ever had a prophetic dream, I was 12 years old. And it was a silly dream about a basketball game, and I didn't know what to make of it. Uh, And matter of fact, didn't make anything of it. Went into the locker room to get ready to play and told all my buddies what the final score of the game was, how many points I scored, how many points the other team scored. I gave them all these details, and when the game was over, we came back in. Little league game. I'm 12 years old. We come back in, and the guys are like, how did you know that? I go, I don't know. It's silly. And it was silly. Then when I was 18 years old, I went off to college. And I was standing in the student center, first week of college at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, and I heard that voice say, I want you to go over there and I want you to tell that girl right there that I know she's a PK, pastor's kid, and I know she had an abortion and I forgive her. And I go, yeah, yeah, whatever. I ain't being the freak show for the first week of college, all right? I'm looking for a wife. I'm not looking to be rejected more, all right? And my hands start sweating, my feet start sweating. My heart starts beating and the Lord says, if you don't do it, I'll find somebody else. I go, okay. So I walk over there and I highly encourage you to walk in humility when you use these sorts of gifts. And I said to her, hey, my name is Kelly. You don't know me. It really doesn't matter. Uh, But I feel like God gave me a word for you. I know that sounds kind of strange because I don't know you. If this isn't accurate, please forgive me. I'm an idiot. So here we go. And so I said, hey, God knows you're a pastor's kid. God knows that you had an abortion. God wants you to know he forgives you. And she immediately ugly cried, right? And I'm just like, I don't know what to do now. Then when I was 19, I went up to Canada and I walked by this youth pastor at this trip we were on and I got a vision of him sexually molesting the boys in his youth group. And so I went to the the guy that was in charge of the event and I went to the senior pastor and I said, hey, I don't know if there's anything in this. I hope there's not, but I'm asking you to please pray over this. If there's not, you're the senior pastor, that's your business. And I told him, turned out to be true and the guy went to prison and thankfully there were other children that were protected. And then when Tasha and I went off to to seminary, uh, we were in Fort Worth uh, we were staying at this concert. I don't even know how we ended up there. It was a first call concert and I was standing in the back of the room and I said, honey, he's, he's having an affair with her and she's pregnant with his child. And my wife looked at me like, you're an idiot, right? And I go, I know. And she was like, how do you know that? I said, I have no idea. I have no idea. And Michael English, you know, Mary, did you know, Right? It all turned out to be true, and the baby died. Sad, and here's the sad part. It's sad to me how men seem to go on like he did, and the woman, you've not heard about her since. Sad. It's really sad. It's really sad. Listen to me. 
I had somebody stop me after the nine o'clock service. He, and he came, he's one of the 3,323 people. And to be honest with you, he's probably the most unlikely person that I think would tell me this. Uh, he's in construction. He's a tough dude. And he said, hey, I just want you to know I had a dream two weeks ago. Uh, or a few weeks ago. And two weeks ago, it came true. And God showed me something. And then I found myself in that room. And I did exactly what God told me in that dream to do. Because I assumed it was God. And guess what? It's all went and it worked out like God said it was going to. So here's my third re- uh, prayer request for you. After you ask the Spirit to fill you, After you ask him to give you the courage to prophesy who he is, I want to challenge you. Say to the Lord, say it in these words, give me your visions and dreams for my life and for those people's lives around me. If you want me to know something to protect somebody, tell it to me. If you want me to speak a word, tell it to me. Now, there are going to be times that you're going to be given words of knowledge, visions, and dreams. God doesn't want you to talk to those people about it. He wants you to pray for them. And you're going to have to grow in your discernment, your ability to discern. And for me, from 12 to, I'm 51 and a half. So in 40 years, just so you know, this has happened to me about a dozen times, about a dozen times in my life. And five years ago, it happened to me. I saw a vision, uh, and I'm not going to go into detail about it. I've carried it for five years. Our elders are very aware of it. We've done everything we can, and now we're waiting for the public for it to happen because there's a refusal of repentance. And that grieves me. It saddens me. And I carry that weight, and I go, Lord, I don't want to live through this again like I did in 01 like I talk about in the 23 book. I don't want to live through that again. And it's like the Lord says, did you sign up to do what you want to do or what I tell you to do? Well, I signed up to do what I want to do and I'm learning to do what you tell me to do. Okay? Amen? So number three, God's going to give us visions and dreams to advance his church. But listen to me. He doesn't give you visions and dreams so you can go look at me. No. He gives you visions and dreams so that you can advance his church. You can advance his church. And his gospel should be advanced when we advance his church. Look at verse 29. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. So what he's saying again is this. The most unlikely person in the kingdom of God, I want to use you. Well, how could God use me? Don't use that as an excuse. Say to the Lord, I don't know how you can use me, but I'm available. Use me. Give me visions. Give me dreams. Fill me with your spirit. I'll prophesy. I'll share who you are. I'll tell people who you are to me. If you can't accept visions and dreams as a part of God's plan, you won't be able to see his plan for your life. I want to say that again. If you can't accept visions and dreams as a part of God's plan for your life, you will not be able to see his plan for your life. And so at some point you have to say, okay, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing. And I don't know what that means. And so here's my practical challenge to you. When you have a dream at night and it, and it affects you emotively and you wake up, Write it down immediately. Get a notebook, keep it. Just write visions and dreams on the front of it. You don't even need to journal like I do. Just write it down. You go, that's silly. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. You go, I'm nobody. No, you're not. You're somebody. God wants to use your life. And God's going to tell you things through dreams and through visions. 
You go, why does he do it that way? I don't know, because that's the way God does it. I don't know why. That's the way he's chosen to do it. Look at verse 30. I'm going to show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire, columns of smoke. Sun's going to be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So what's going to happen before the end? Number four, hard word for me to say, cataclysmic wonders in the universe. Crazy stuff. Super, super what in the world is going on stuff. And then look at verse 32. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? Somebody say it. Come on, how many? Yeah, everyone. Everyone. For in, the Mount, for in Mount Zion, Jerusalem, shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. So what's going to happen before the end? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The gospel of Jesus is for everyone. Everyone. For God so loved the world, see this verse, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The message of hope is inside you. It's inside you. If you've given your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit has filled you, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He wants you to prophesy, proclaim who he is, and he wants you to receive visions and dreams so that you can clearly live out the purpose and calling that he has on your life. And then he wants you to share the gospel with people. And so you see this shirt? Heaven is my home. I'm just here recruiting. That's why we're here. That's the only reason why we're here. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. And he's called us to do his bidding. To invite people. Don't hoard the only hope this world has. Don't hoard the only hope this world has. And his name is Jesus. 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 Give us visions and dreams, God. Give us visions and dreams, God so that we may have the boldness to proclaim who you are to us, to a world that desperately needs the hope of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.